Good morning. I feel like we've already sung the sermon. <laughs> that was great. I want to thank our Revelation 7-9 choir. Jeremy, thank you. I'll just give them a hand. Uh, on Wednesday night, we had a wonderful congregational meeting for those of you who were there, and, and we elected a new chair for our church, Adam Stiles, and, and a vice chair, Lee Merritt, so we're thrilled to have them, and, and many others, including Thomas Reynoso here, has uh, been elected to the Worship and Arts Ministry Division, so let's welcome our new leaders. Thank you for serving. Well, as a child, uh, even as a, as a young a teenager, I was fascinated with the weather. And I think part of that was because I grew up in the Midwest, uh, very different than Southern California. Uh, Southern California, no offense, the weather is boring. <laughs> and that's why we love it. It's almost always beautiful. But not in the Midwest. In fact, we say, if you don't like the weather, just wait a little bit. It, it's going to change. And I don't know if you've ever been in a good old-fashioned American Midwest thunderstorm. The rain starts coming down in sheets. The wind is blowing so hard, the rain's blowing sideways. Lightning and thunder booming, shaking the house. Uh, Add some hail, a threat of a tornado. Uh, It's an awesome experience and sight. I don't know if they get them that way anywhere else in the world. But growing up... uh, Part of my life in Chicago, I remember going out on the front porch. It was covered, but but watching these storms uh, blow through. Uh, I would get a little wet, but it was worth feeling nature's power. And it was kind of fun. Well, it's fun when you're just a step or two from the safety of your home. Or when you're watching from the inside through a window. But what about... When you're out in the storm, unprotected, that is a frightening experience. In a storm like that, you begin to feel very small, very weak and vulnerable. What's hardest for me, you begin to feel out of control. There's nothing you can do. There's nowhere to hide. You're at the mercy of the storm. That's no fun. Have you ever been in a storm like that? Maybe camping or hiking or out on a boat on a lake? Uh, there have been a few times in my life like that, and I wouldn't want them to happen again. I shared a bit in the worship folder about an experience uh, I had last summer with one of these storms. I was fulfilling a dream with my son, hiking 80 miles uh, with the Boy Scouts in the mountains of New Mexico. Uh, we were having a great time. About a week into the hike, Uh, It was a beautiful sunny day. We had an 11,000 foot peak to climb. And with 50 pound packs on our back, we were on a steep trail uh, that was very exposed. There was no shelter. We were about three quarters of the way up when all of a sudden everything changed. Uh, We heard the thunder and we knew we were in trouble. And within minutes, the rain started pouring so hard. we We just had to stand on the side of that trail. There was nowhere to go, you know, cover as much as we could. And, and just wait while we got soaked. And then the hail came. And the wind was blowing. The trail turned white from, from the hail. And uh, we were scared. Uh, we had to try and somehow get over the peak of this mountain to the campsite on the other side. Lightning was flashing all around us. Um, obviously, we made it. <laughs> but uh, my son is going back to do this again next week. 
Not me. I had enough. Uh, I was happy to get off that mountain. But you know, there's another kind of storm that happens to all of us eventually. And it has nothing to do with the weather. It's the storms of life. Difficulties in life that throw us around like a storm. And I imagine all of us have been in that kind of a storm. Perhaps an illness, a death, loss of a job, broken relationship, a business deal gone bad, false accusations, persecution, car accident, theft. I could go on. But you understand what kind of storms I'm talking about. If you haven't experienced them, you will. In fact, I would guess that there are some of you, probably many of you, who are going through a storm like that right now. And it's a frightening experience. Perhaps you feel small right now, beaten down, out of control, nowhere to hide, and you're scared. What do you do? I like the song that we sang as you were coming in. When I don't know what to do, I'll run to your throne. I'll stand on your truth. And I believe our text today can help you. We've been studying 1 Peter, but today we're going to look at an earlier event in the life of Peter where he learned about tough times, trusting Jesus and the importance of faith. Living a life of faith in the midst of the storms of life is a difficult but necessary thing. And I believe the experience of the disciples in the storm recorded in Matthew 14 can be an encouragement to us when we go through the storms of life. When we find ourselves in a storm, we can rest on several assurances. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 14. We're going to be looking at verses 22 to 33. And I'll tell you ahead of time, these are some simple truths, okay? And that's often the way the Bible is. It's really pretty simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy. The hard part is believing, trusting. And I've always said preaching is not the place for originality, If you're hearing something new this morning, that's a little dangerous, okay? What I hope, as you hear truths that you may have already heard, you'll begin to believe them and trust them. So let's set the context for this passage that Sandra read. Uh, Jesus had just performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000 by multiplying the bread and fish. In the Gospel of John, we learn a bit more about what happened at the end of of that miracle and why Jesus was in such a hurry to dismiss the crowd and send the disciples across the Sea of Galilee in the boat. The crowd wanted to make Jesus king. And Jesus knew their motives. He knew that those purposes were out of the will of God. And if they had stayed much longer, the crowd might have forcibly crowned Jesus king. And the disciples would have probably gone along with it because they didn't yet fully understand Christ's plans. In fact, they were still arguing about which of them would be the greatest in the kingdom. So immediately after feeding the 5,000, Jesus makes the disciples get into the boat without him and go on ahead of him 
to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, it's a little strange if you think about the circumstances. I've never been to the Sea of Galilee. Uh, You know, Pastor Greg and I think about 40 others from Lake Avenue Church are actually in Israel right now. and, And I heard their itinerary has them this morning beside the Sea of Galilee the story we're talking about right now. So they're getting a perspective that we have not seen. But Matthew has already told us that it was a remote place. Jesus originally crossed the Sea of Galilee to this remote place to get away from it all. He had just gotten news that John the Baptist had been beheaded. John was his cousin. John was a prophet. And and Jesus just wanted to get away. And reflect, probably to grieve. But the crowds followed him to the other side, to this remote place. We know it was getting late. It was evening. And uh, so people needed to go find shelter. Jesus sends the disciples off in a boat without him to a destination that we know is several miles across the Sea of Galilee. And then after dismissing the crowds, he doesn't hitch a ride with another boat. He doesn't start the long walk around the sea. He climbs a mountain to pray. Now the only explanation I can find for that, and obviously we have the benefit of seeing the whole story, is that Jesus knew what he was doing when he sent the disciples off in that boat into the storm. And that shouldn't surprise us. And this brings us to the first thing that you need to know when you are in a storm. Jesus brought me here. Did Jesus know the storm was coming? Certainly. Did he deliberately send the disciples into the storm? I believe he did. And this is one of those difficult truths that we have to wrestle with. Why do bad things happen to good people? How can a loving God allow these kinds of things to happen, even to those who believe in Him and trust Him? Well, as you read your Bible, you'll discover there are at least two kinds of storms in life. There are storms of correction, when God disciplines us, and storms of perfection, when God helps us to grow. You remember the story of Jonah. Jonah was in a storm because he disobeyed God and he had to be corrected. Now, when those kinds of storms hit in our lives, they're no fun either, but we usually know why they came. We know what we need to do. Repent, turn to God and follow him afresh. But in Matthew 14, the disciples were in a storm because they had obeyed God. Christ. They didn't need to be corrected. They needed to be perfected or matured. Now, Jesus had tested them in a storm before in Matthew 8. Uh, that time he was in the boat with them. Remember, he was asleep and the, and the storm hit and they were afraid. But this time he sent them out alone. Many Christians have the mistaken idea that obedience to God's will produces smooth sailing. But that's not true. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The storm came 
because the disciples were in the will of God, not out of the will of God like Jonah. They were safer in the storm, in God's will, than they would have been on the shore with the crowds out of God's will. This is what Peter is telling us in the passage we've been studying in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 to 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, these trials have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We must never judge our security in life on the basis of circumstances alone. Uh, We don't know if we're in the will of God just by looking at our circumstances. This, This is part of living by faith. Are you in a storm right now? When we find ourselves in a storm because we've obeyed God, not because of some sin, okay, if, if you're looking and you're saying, I, I'm following God, I'm doing everything I know possible to trust Him and believe Him and follow Him, but you find yourself in a storm, you need to remember, He brought you there. And He's in control. And He can take care of you. Second thing you need to know is Jesus is praying for me. In Romans 8.34, we read that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, praying for us. And in the parallel account of this story in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, we read that when Jesus was alone on the land praying, he had climbed the mountain, that he actually saw the disciples and their struggle. He saw that the wind was against them and that they were struggling in the storm. Now again, you you have to get some perspective here. Remember, he climbed a mountain to pray. It was the middle of the night. The disciples were three to four miles out on the sea, and there was a storm. You and I could not see that boat, but Jesus did. And in the same way, Jesus sees us he knows our needs he feels the burdens that we feel he knows what we are going through hebrews 4 14 to 16 says that jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses now the bible doesn't tell us what jesus was praying about on that mountain but i'm willing to guess that he was praying for his disciples out on the water praying that their faith would not fail. Now, if you knew that Jesus was in the next room praying for you, would that give you new, new courage to face the storm and do His will? Of course it would. And He may not be in the next room, but even better, He's at the right hand of God Almighty praying for you, praying that your faith will not fail. He sees your need. He knows your fears. And he is in control of the situation. You need to trust Him. There's another phrase for this idea that I get out of Romans chapter 12 where it tells us to leave room for God. 
You know, that, that's another way of looking at what it means to live by faith. Leave room for God. That's hard to do. When we want revenge, when we want to regain control, when we want justice, when we've been wronged, leaving room for God takes faith. And in order to do that, we need to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, He's on our side. God is for us. He's not against us. So even in a storm, we can know He is praying for us. Well, the third thing you need to know when you're in a storm is, Jesus will come to me. Now the truth is, we often feel like Jesus has deserted us when we're going through the hard times of life. Read through the Psalms. David complained that God seemed far away and unconcerned. Yet he knew that God would ultimately rescue him. And Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, uh, let's read how Paul faced one of life's storms, but he knew that God would rescue him. This was not, Paul wasn't in sin. He was doing God's will. And this is what he said. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him, we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. Jesus always comes to us in the storms of life. And in Isaiah chapter 43, this is what we read. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear any evil. For God is with you. Jesus will come to you. But he may not come at the time we think he should come. Because he knows when we need him the most. Now with the disciples, Jesus waited until the boat was as far from land as possible so that all human hope was gone. These are one of these little things that we often miss as we read the Bible. Think about this. When Jesus sent the disciples off in the boat, it was evening. It probably was not quite dark, but it was getting close. So let's be generous and say it was about 9 o'clock in the evening. Well, we know as Jesus came walking to them on the water, as he saw them, it says it was the third watch of the night, and they were three to four miles from land, the third watch is between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning. Okay, these disciples have been rowing against these waves in this storm for over six hours. And they were only three to four miles in the middle of the lake. 
they had to be exhausted, despairing, fearful. Um, that's where they were. Now, if you were on a junior high retreat, maybe that would be exciting. I don't know. But I think for most of us, that would not be a fun place to be. That's when Jesus came to them. Now, why did Jesus walk on the water? Perhaps to show his disciples that the very thing they feared, the sea and the waves, was only a staircase for him to come to them. You know, often we fear the difficult circumstances of life, such as an illness or surgery or grieving a death or some other kind of loss, only to discover that these experiences actually bring Jesus Christ closer to us. So Jesus came to the disciples walking on the water. And Mark tells us this little interesting fact that Jesus was intending on just walking by them. (laughs) He was just going to go on to the other side and meet them there. But he walked obviously close enough so that they could see him. But they didn't recognize him. They knew what Jesus looked like. They should have recognized him right away, but they didn't. Why? Well, because they weren't looking for him. Had they been waiting in faith and expecting Jesus to come to them, they probably would have recognized him immediately. Instead, they jumped to the false conclusion that they were seeing a ghost. I mean, people don't walk on water. Why would we think that's Jesus? This doesn't happen. And so... They were afraid. Fear and faith cannot live in the same heart. For fear always blinds our eyes to the presence of the Lord. Are you in a storm? Whatever that storm is, the circumstances may seem so unlikely. But you need to know, Jesus will come to you. And you need to be looking for him. Has he come to you, but you're so afraid that you don't recognize him or you cannot see him because of that fear? In the midst of the storm, don't lose faith. Through the eyes of faith, be looking for Jesus and he will come to you somehow. And you will hear him say, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now the fourth thing you need to know in a storm is Jesus will help me grow. I believe this was the whole purpose of the storm, to help the disciples grow in their faith. Up until this point, the disciples had always been with Jesus whenever a difficulty had arisen. You know, they could just turn and say, hey, Jesus, come on, help, help us out. But one day Jesus would leave them, and they would have to face many storms uh, in the years ahead. They had to learn to trust him even though he was not physically present with them, and even if it looked like he didn't care. So now our attention shifts to Peter. And before we criticize Peter for, uh, for doubting and for sinking, we really need to honor him for his demonstration of faith. Part of living a life of faith means taking more risks in life. Now, it's not about living life recklessly. Faith is about believing what God says more than what anyone else says, and being willing to follow him no matter what. And sometimes that involves, in human eyes, a great deal of risk. Often faith is not believing in spite of evidence, but rather 
obeying in spite of consequence. Peter saw his Lord out on the water and he dared to be different. Anybody can sit in the boat and watch, but it takes a real person of faith to leave the boat and walk on the water. So Peter did that. But then he started to sink. His faith began to waver because he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to look around at the circumstances. Um, And that's easy to do. You know, storms that are raging our lives can tend to distract us and cause us to lose sight of Jesus, even though he's there. We see all that turmoil around us and we take our eyes off Jesus in a frantic attempt to save ourselves. Now, we have to give credit to Peter again for knowing he was sinking and for crying out to the Lord for help. And he cried out when he was beginning to sink, not after he had already been flailing around and drowning. And after Jesus pulled him up, Jesus asked Peter this question. Why did you doubt? And the word which is translated doubt has this meaning of standing in two ways and being uncertain of which way to take. Have you ever been there? Uh, God's calling me to do this, but that's kind of scary. This looks a little safer. What do I do? Which which way should I go? Not being sure. You know, Peter, Peter started out well. He was walking on water, but he ended up with what Jesus called little faith because he saw two ways instead of one. When you're in those times, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus no matter what. Are you in a storm? Well, even if you're not, where are you at right now in life's circumstances? Are you in the boat? Are you afraid to come out when Jesus calls? Have you spotted Jesus, but you're still going to stay put in the boat? Have you heard him call out to you to come out, to walk on the water? It might seem crazy, but sometimes Jesus invites us to join him in some rather interesting situations. Have you stepped out in faith, and in a sense you're You're walking on water towards Jesus. Do you feel yourself sinking? You feel overwhelmed by the circumstances around you? Call out to Jesus. Look to Him. When you live a life of faith, it requires that you keep your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. Don't take your eyes off Him, no matter what's happening around you. In in Hebrews chapter 12, the author compares the Christian life to a race. And in order to win that race, we must throw off the things that would hinder us, sin that would so easily entangle us. We have to run with perseverance. And the key in verse 2 is we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Paul says in Colossians 3.1, to set our hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, not on your circumstances, Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And just so this doesn't sound so mysterious, how do you do this? Right here, the Word of God. Let it wash over you. Let the truth of this Word be your guide and, and tell you what's real, what's true. Believe it, believe it. In many ways, that's the way Jesus will come to you in the hard times of life. I'm sure that this experience was difficult for Peter, but it helped him to grow in his knowledge of himself and of the Lord. Storms of life are not easy, but they are necessary. They teach us to trust Jesus Christ alone, to obey his word no matter what the circumstances may be. 
Remember, faith, it's not believing in spite of evidence. We've got plenty of evidence right here. It's obeying in spite of consequence. Now, the fifth thing you need to know if you're in a storm is Jesus will see me through. If Jesus says come, then that word is going to accomplish its intended purpose. Since Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, whatever he starts, he will complete. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. We may fail along the way, but in the end, God will succeed. Now, after Jesus saved Peter from sinking, they walked on the water together back to the ship. I love that picture. And when they stepped into the boat, immediately the wind calmed down. Jesus was in complete control. Jesus will see you through the storm. And when the disciples saw the power of Jesus, when they saw him conquer the circumstances and calm the storm, their fear turned to faith. And all they could do was fall down and worship him. When Jesus calmed the first storm in Matthew 8, the disciples said, what kind of man is this? But now their clear testimony was, truly, you are the Son of God. And they worshipped him. In Hebrews 11, it says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Living a life of faith is something that we are to be doing every moment of every day, but it is even more vital when you're in a storm. Are you in a storm right now? Do you know somebody who's in a storm? We know that these storms will come, but when they do come, you can be sure of these facts. One, Jesus brought me here. I need to trust him. Jesus is praying for me I can be encouraged. He's on my side. Jesus will come to me. I need to be looking for him. Jesus will help me grow, but I need to keep my eyes fixed on him no matter what's going on around me. And I know that Jesus will see me through. I can be thankful and I can, be, and I can worship him. Blessed be your name. Even when the darkness is closing in on me, not just when the world is all as it should be, but on those paths of suffering in those difficult times. Blessed be your name. That may be simple, but I'll tell you what, it's not easy. And this is the word of God to you. Praise be to God.